sin that can only come from your Holy Ghost. And so, Father, would you just... Would you draw us to yourself in a way that is simply irresistible? Would you help us to get a vision of Jesus that's greater than the one we have now? Would you replace all of our fears, our worries, our pride, our concerns, and replace them with a love and an adoration for you that cannot be replaced? Lord, I pray for every single person here. I pray for the marriages that are going through a difficult time. I pray that you would be their hope in their union. I pray for the families who are struggling, Lord, that you would help them to find their comfort in you. Those who have financial struggles, that you are more than enough to supply all of their needs. Lord, I pray that we would get a greater vision of Jesus and that we would simply be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit and that we would share that with others, sharing Jesus with those we come across. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I was about 13 years old, and I decided that I knew more about wanting or not wanting to go to school than all of my family members. And so I stopped going to school. And I didn't go to school for like one day, and then I didn't go to school for like two days, then for like one week, and then two weeks, then for like one month, then two... I stopped going to school. It was not a good academic year. Now, anybody, and I know I'm the only one who's ever played hooky. Um, I just probably did it a lot more than you did. That's the only difference. Um, But if you've done it, anybody know if you play one day of hooky, what is the thing that you must not let happen? Anybody know? The letter. Right. Some of you hooky players know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, right. Yes, you bunch of truants. Okay, so... um, Right, don't let the letter get to the house, don't get let, you know, you can get into the mailbox, but you gotta get it before mom or dad get home, that's the big deal. Right, that's funny, someone said amen to that. Yes, yes, absolutely, amen. Um, that's fantastic. So, but that's what, that's what I did successfully for like, oh god, I don't know, months. So the, the thing came to my house and one day I didn't make it there in time, and it said, dear sir or ma'am, your son Edwin Cologne has managed to miss 86 days. Of school. Now, you could talk about, oh, that must have been an error from school if you like missed one day or something like that. But if you miss 86 days, that's really, really, really bad, right? Everybody agreed? Yeah, right. Okay. So now, I'm walking up the stairs and I can hear my brother, who's like the man of the house. You know how like this happens? I'm Puerto Rican, so my dad, when my dad left, my brother became the man of the house. You know how that works, right? And so you have to obey him like he was like your dad or something like that. You ain't my father. Get punched in the face if you say that, right? So you can't say that. And so it's like, so I can hear him screaming to my mom of all the things that he's going to do to me when I get home. So I was like, well, I ain't encouraged to see that happen. So I walked right down the stairs, walked out, walked to Raymond's house. We were about 12, 13 years old at the time. And I said, so, Ray, you want to go to California? Because I'm going to California. You want to come with me? And uh, so he was like, how are we going to get to California? I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And so he was like, we can't go to California. So I was like, all right, well, I'll stay in your house for a few hours, and then I'll eventually make it home. And that's what I did. 
So I went back to his house. I went back to his house. I went out of his house and I went back to my house. And we went up the stairs. And I went up the stairs, rather, and I got into the house and a miracle had happened. My brother, rather than killing me, encouraged me. It was the most, it was the most, it was the one day, I can't remember any other day of not getting beat. Uh, that's not true, I can remember one other day. But th- it was rare that you didn't get beat for, like, right? And so my family believed in corporal punishment, right? And so some of us wish that some of you parents believed in corporal punishment because your kids are off the hook. But, um, that, no, I'm kidding. That was a bad joke, sorry. Um, so I went there and he encouraged me. He just said, Edwin, you're smarter than this. You're better than this. You shouldn't be giving yourself to this kind of thing. You could still pull this year out. Just work hard and just, you know, I'll help you. Listen, we think you're great. And it was such an encouraging thing. I left determined to honor my brother, to do right, to make him proud, to really, really go all out, right? I left determined to do that. So I... I went to school and for the first day, and I, I endured all the embarrassing things like the teacher saying, you don't belong in this class and who are you? And, you know, right? Because I had been gone for like months. And so, um, I endured it. You know how long? And I was resolved. I'm telling you, I was passionate about it. You know how long that lasted? Two weeks. Two weeks with all the passion and all the desire that I had to honor my brother. It lasted two weeks. You know why? Because honoring my brother was too weak a motivation. It was too weak a motivation to actually change. We just started a brand new series called Change. Last week we talked about what change was not. There's a change that doesn't transform. Do you remember? Right? Last week we talked about there's a change that doesn't transform, that leaves us worse off than when we started. That was last week. I encourage you to go on the podcast. And um, if you don't know what the podcast is, go on your iTunes and punch in uh, Arhal how Brooklyn, and you can get the latest, the message will literally, I think, be up today, if not today, tomorrow. But I encourage you to go back to get the foundation of what the series is going to be like. We started the series last week, and this week, we're going to look at the motivation for change. Because the fact is, is that your motivation will determine whether transformation takes place or not. Now, let me tell you something. There are three types of major motivations. Now, there are more types of motivation um, to change that you and I know about, but we're going to talk about the three types of main motivation, and we're going to we're going to share why they're not enough. the The first thing that we would say motivates us to change is pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? yeah, a little bit of hurt, right? Ow! Don't want to do that again, right? You know, uh, gonna stop the drinking, gonna stop the gambling, gonna stop the carousing because there's too much pain. I remember experiencing this when, um, when I was a kid, and I would go hang out, and my brother would say, hey, you got to come home by 10, and then I thought that meant 10 a.m. the next morning, and so I would come home 10 a.m. the next morning, and it would be just on, like it was awful, right? I got all sorts of punished and all sorts of hurt and all that stuff, and I remember thinking during the punishment, I would always, I always think this, I would always say, oh my, I'll never do that again. Because the pain was so great from the punishment, right? So pain is a motivator. The next thing that motivates us is pleasure, right? Oh man, 
That's a big motivator, right? Man, if I could just get that girl, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that raise, I'll do anything for that. If I could just sit, fit in that size, whatever, four or whatever the new size is to fit in, you know, um, if I could just do that, then I'm willing to go on the treadmill. I'm willing to, you know, uh, clean up my act. I'm willing to do anything so long as I can get that pleasure, right? So pain's a motivator, pleasure's a motivator. And then there's others, Right? Others are a motivation for change. And that's when, you know, your wife goes, listen, bro, if uh, you don't change, you're going to have to change your address, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, it's when you're, it's when, you know, it's when you go to your kids and you say, oh, you can do that if you want to. You just can't do that here, right? There's motivation to change. A, um, the police say, if we find you here one more time, you're going to change your situation in a jiffy. What, what, are we, what are we saying? We're saying that there's a, way that there's a way that motivates us from other people to change. What the Bible, what we're going to talk about, though, is we're going to talk about a type of change that's permanent, not a type of change that's temporary, a type of change that's long-lasting, not a type of change that lasts only two weeks. Now, the good news is that most of you are only about 50 days away from doing uh, the uh, resolution that you did last year. You're 50 days away, right? Anybody here kept their last year's, uh, 2013's New Year's resolution? Right? Yeah, right, right. It's just, it's, it's not a great success story with resolutions. You know why? Because your motivation to change is usually pain or pleasure or others. Here's why it won't work. Because pain doesn't last forever. Isn't it true? So, say for instance, you go, I'm going to clean up my act. I'm not going to use drugs anymore. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to clean up my act because it's just too much pain. What happens? Why is it that people who want to get clean, who want to get sober, who don't want to use drugs anymore, how is it that they could stay clean for 100 days, 5 years, 15 years, and then relapse in the same thing? It's not like the drug is in their system anymore. It's not like they're compulsed to do it. Why do they do it? Is it because they forgot about the pain. And pain doesn't last forever. And sometimes, sometimes pain takes on a smaller feeling the more time goes on. Isn't it true? You've seen that. Why doesn't pleasure work? Pleasure doesn't work because pleasure always has to be capitalized on and increased upon. It's the reason why some of you, some of you, uh, when you started to use, uh, and boy, this could be for anything, right? For food. You know what happens if you eat a lot of food? If you eat a ton of food, you know what happens? Not that you get satisfied. In a little while, you get hungrier. Your appetite grows. Isn't that interesting? The more food you eat, the more your appetite grows. You would think that the more food you eat, the more satisfied you get. Not so. The more food you eat, the, the more your appetite grows. Some of you uh, know that from food. Others of you know that from using uh, drinks or drugs. Isn't it true? Like none of us, no, nobody like, like woke up at like, you know, at when they were 10 years old and said, you know, I'm going to shoot up heroin in my neck. Like nobody started that way, right? You have a little bit, right? You have a sip of beer at your parents' party and then you go from there and you have a you know, cigarette or a joint and then you get some, you know, you snort some coke, you pop a pill and then you do. It's a progressive thing. You know why? Because what was once pleasurable at one time needs to be improved upon. And what once satisfied you doesn't satisfy you any. More. Pain, pleasure, motivations for change, but not motivations that last. Others. Others won't last simply because after a while they're either not there anymore or we don't care. Anybody remember watching, um, anybody here watch the Clint, it's a great 
Clint Eastwood movie um, called The Unforgiven. Remember, he stops drinking for years and years and he's like this really super violent, gunslinging guy. And then there's this really creepy um, scene where he's hearing about how they killed his best friend and the oath that he made to his wife, who's now dead, doesn't matter anymore. And he starts to drink again. And you could see this sort of evil anger building up in him. People, others don't last. The fear of uh, losing others. You know, you figure, ah, well, she's off my back now so I can go back to my old ways. Ah, well, he's not complaining about that anymore, so I'll go back to my old ways. I'm telling you, there are different things that will make us change, but none, none of them will make us change permanently. We need something permanent to make us change permanently. So there's a better motivation for transformation. There's a better motivation for change. Today we're going to discover that Jesus is our motivation for transformation. That it's not you, it's not the pleasure, it's not avoiding the pain, it's not gaining the pleasure, it's not getting the other person, it's Jesus. And when we see that, we see it all. Because every single time, everything that you want to change, let me tell you something, the reasons for change are too silly and too small. They're just too silly, they're not permanent, they're not eternal. You don't even want the same things you want, wanted when you were younger. Isn't it true your sense of style changes? So your motivation has to be bigger. Your motivation has to be bigger than the three that we just mentioned. Now, God knows that we're all going to need change in our life to conform unto Christ. He knows that every one of us is going to need that. And so what he did is he gave himself. Because you get, listen, I don't care how much you get of Jesus, there's more to be had. I don't care how full you get in Christ, There's more filling to be known. I don't care how much you love and experience the joy of Christ. There's more joy to be had. Christ is awesome. He's better. Listen to me. Christ is better than the next gamble that you put on the football game. Christ is better than the next next ice cream bar that you eat at 3 o'clock in the morning. Christ is better than the next... uh, Drink that you drink, drug that you use, lover that you love. Christ is better than the affirmation that you seek. Christ is better than the finances that you wish you had, the security that you long for. Christ is simply better. But you won't see him as better unless you see him first. And so we're going to look at a case study. And in this case study, we see a man by the name of Paul. Paul, who is an enemy of God. Paul, who had wanted nothing to do with the Christian uh, church and with, uh, with Christ, he wanted nothing to do with them. And this Paul, who pursued his life to get pleasure in all these other things, found his pleasure in Christ. Amen. Now, before we go any further, listen to me. I want you to think of this. What is the... What, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Okay, watch this. Christ. Okay. Okay. Christ. What is the thing that if I said I would take away from you, would you react in a crazy way? What is the thing that if I said you can't have that anymore? That lover, that person, what is it? It's okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, now watch this. This might go on for the rest of the service, 
but some of y'all were just as crazy, all right? So I want you to just go ahead and focus, and we're going to love on her, okay? You agree? All right, you're with me on this one? Okay, so, so now watch this. So now watch this. What is it if I desired... If It's true, there are crazy people here. So now watch this. Um, what if I said I would take it away from you? What's that thing that you would die if I took it away from you? What is it? Is it your daughter? Is it your son? What is it if I said, no, 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 you can't have this lover. You can't have this identity. You can't associate with this lifestyle. What is it? What is it? What is it? If it got taken away from you, you would stop believing in God. That if it got taken away from you, you would say, there's no God. What is it? Watch this. What is it that you would be happy? So that's one question, right? Because we're talking about motivation and we're going to look at things that motivate you. What is it the thing that if I took it away from you, you would say there is no God? That you, oh no, please, please, not this, anything but this. And what is the thing that if I gave to you, you would be truly happy? What is the thing that if I gave to you, you would go, oh, that's all I need? You know, some of you single people go, oh, if I just got married. Amen. And all of the married people are saying, oh, if I just got single. Right? Yeah, it's just, right, it's, you go, what is it that if you had, you say, you know what? If I just had my health back, then I'd be truly happy. What is it? Because here's what happens, folks. This is, and this is powerful. Most of us think that if we got what we wished for, but Christ was nowhere to be found, we just found heaven. And if we got Christ, but got none of those other things that we long for, we just got hell. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if you get Christ and none of those other things, that's called heaven. Because Christ is enough. Christ satisfies. Christ fulfills longings. Christ answers depression. Christ comes alongside to the lonely. And he becomes an intoxicating joy to the dry and the clean. Christ becomes a higher a higher source of excitement than the gambler's experience with horses. Christ is the greater uh, joy in the life than any lover can bring. Listen to me, listen to me. Anything that you look for outside of Christ will only leave you lonely and empty. Listen, but the whole world is looking for something other than Christ to fill them, to satisfy them. And that's why true change doesn't happen. Change happens only as long as you get what you want or avoid what you don't want. I mean, it's in the songs that we sing. Anybody here ever heard of Bruno Mars? Bruno Mars. I'm just going to read the lyrics of a Bruno Mars song. Think about, think about this. I would catch a grenade for you. I throw my hand. Think about this. I throw. I'm not even making this stuff up. I throw my hand on a blade for ya. Jump in front of a train for ya. I do anything for you. I go through all this pain. This is great. Take a bullet straight through my brain. 
I would die for you, baby. But you won't do the same. Yeah, because she's not an idolater. She's not a nut job like you, Bruno. Watch this. Listen to me. Watch this. But watch this. Some of you women think that life will begin when a guy loves you like that. And some of you men think that life will begin when you find a woman. Because your treasure is in something other than Christ. In fact, some of you women don't believe that you can be found beautiful and whole and, and pleasing. You have to have a man tell you that. And some of you men, unless a woman is affirming you, you're not man enough. This explains why you jump from bed to bed, sin to sin, looking for... Listen, listen you're not looking for lovers, you're looking for gods. Gods to satisfy the deep longing that only Jesus can fill. We look for it, listen to me, we look for it in our lifestyle. We look for it in, our, in all the things that we think will bring us pleasure. We, give, we put labels on ourselves. And Jesus says, no, only I, only I satisfy. And I'm the only proper motive for change. So I want you to, I want you to see, Paul pursued with all of his heart, Paul pursued the things that he thought would bring him pleasure, the things that he thought would make him okay with God. Isn't it true you have a certain list of things? If I could just stop using, if I could just stop acting out, if I could just stop, if I could just stop, if I could just stop. And then you go, if I could just start, if I could just start exercise, you know, God will be more pleased with me. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and I said, hey, listen, why don't you come back? Let's congregate together. Let's love Jesus together. Let's, let's do that sort of thing. You know, it's, you know, come back on Sunday. We'll grow in Christ together. We'll learn together. And you know what they tell me? They go, no, 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 I can't do that. Why? Because I want to clean myself up for you. Oh, I understand. You need something outside of Jesus to make you approvable to Jesus. You need something outside of Jesus to make you acceptable to Jesus. You need something outside of it. And some of us think it's our prayers. Some of us think it's our clean time. Some of us think it's coming to church. Some of us think it's going to a meeting. Some of us think it's having a, a, a disciple. And others of us think it's having a sponsor. But no matter what, you think that you'll find more satisfaction. You'll get approved by God. God will like you better if you just do these things. And that's not the truth. They're all garbage in comparison to Jesus. Paul knew this. Paul was an apostle. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He, he um, was thoroughly converted. He was a really educated guy. Wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Had college degrees and had pedigrees that you and I can only hope for. And he found them as nothing. Verse 4. Though I myself, and um, I just don't want you to stand on this one, I just want you to see something. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, Paul is talking about the confidence that he had before Christ, the things that he pursued. If someone else thinks that they have reason of confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul, what he does is he lists his pedigree. He lets us know all the things that I wanted to make myself approved of by God, all the things that I pursued that I thought would make me more approved by God, all those things, I got them. I got them. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Some of us have a list, but it's a different list. You say, if I only got the job... If I only got the guy, 
If I only got the girl. If I only got the education. If I only got the health. If I only got the youth. If I only had these things, then I would be better. I would be approved of God. If I only made a ton of money. If I only got into a wonderful romantic relationship, then I would be made whole. Then I could be lovable by God. Then I could pursue God if I just had all these things. And Christ is saying, no, not at all. You've missed the point. Now, we're going to stand as we read God's Word. Go ahead and stand with me. The reason we stand is because God's Word is holy and awesome. And God is going to teach us it's something other than... He's other than... So we're all going to read it. We're all going to read it, okay? Nice, loud voice, okay? Can you do it in a nice, loud voice? All right. All right. One, two, three. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is God's Word. Please have a seat. Listen to me. Paul is saying, I got everything that you could imagine. I... I pursued the things that I thought would make me acceptable to God, that thought that they would give me self-esteem, that thought that they would give me joy and satisfaction, and I would be whole if I just got these things. And here's what he says, But, however, but, whatever were gains to me, I now consider Loss. Stop. Think about that for a second. Think about this. Think about this. Think if you were Roy Jones Jr. Uh, not Roy Jones Jr. It's Floyd Mayweather. If you were Floyd Mayweather, he's a boxer. He's undefeated. He is the most. He's the most well-paid athlete in the history of the world. Like nobody makes more than him. Like LeBron James makes pennies in compared to this guy. Like he's unbelievably well paid. He has a perfect record. He has no draws. He has no losses. This won't ever happen again. It's just an unbelievable thing. Imagine if Floyd Mayweather came up here and says, I got the cars. I got the billions. I got the, you know, I got the endorsements. I got the houses. I got the girls. I got everything that you wish for. I consider them loss. I consider them like it was, it was not winning It was losing. You go, what could possibly make a guy like Mayweather say that? A a guy like Bruno Mars, who has multi-platinum. What if if your record went platinum? What if your record went, like, you know, whatever, you know, gold, platinum, whatever the the highest level is for for records, right? What What if your record did that? And you said, you know what? You don't understand. I consider all the sales of my record, I consider them Loss. Loss. Nonsense. 
what if you were a stock, you know, what if you were a driver, a professional car driver, and you won the Indy 500, and you're going to give your speech, and you have, you know, everybody's pouring the wine on you, and you have your trophy, and you go, guys, this is the losing trophy. This is the losing trophy. What would make you, what would make you to say that? Here it is. Here it is. But whatever regains to me, like what would make Floyd Mayweather say that? What would make Bruno Mars say that? What would make the, you know, the driver say that? Here's what they would say. But whatever regains to me, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, it's lost to me. And then he goes on. He says, what is more, as if he wasn't clear enough, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the passing worth of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Look at, look at me. Listen to me. This is, this is more than I can stand. Everything, if you got everything that you wish for, if you got the business up and running, if the, if the album went platinum, if the car won the Indy 500, if the, if the boxing record was perfect, if you had all the finances and all the girls and all the men and all the toys and you had all the security and you put it all together, here's what you would discover. You would discover that all of them put up together is like a whole bunch of nothing in comparison to Christ. Now, what Paul is talking to us about is he's talking about a principle that your 16-year-old girlfriends knew about and your 17-year-old guy friend. Well, we don't call it, you know, your, your good friend, your man friends. You know, um, what, I don't know what guys call them anymore. But, um, right, but, but, but you remember when you were like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, ladies, and the guy that, you know, you loved and you could never know love again? If, if, right, do you remember that guy? Does anybody remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, right, right, right. So he's like 16 years old, and it's like, oh my God, I love him, I love him. And then he broke up with you. Do you remember that? Oh God, right, tragedy, tragedy. Do you remember this, right? So he broke up with you, right? And so you're clutching your chest, and you're crying, and you're listening to whatever, you know, whatever was the guy, at, you know, right? Well, I don't know, was it Bobby Brown? Was it, you know, like, who was it? I don't know. But you're like listening to slow records, and you're like, oh man. And you're crying and your best friend says, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And he says, no, I will never love again. You remember this? What was the wisdom of your friend? Does anybody remember what the I, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't there. But here's what they did. She said, girlfriend, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put on your best dress. You're going to put on your high heel shoes. You're going to get your hair all dialed up. And we're going to go to the club and we're going to fire you the new one. We're going to find you the alternative. We're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to find someone who surpasses in glory to this one. Because they knew that the only way to overcome an affection is with a greater affection. It's the only way to do it. The only way to overcome an affection is a greater affection. The only way to fix a broken heart. Isn't that true? Right? How can you mend a broken heart? How can you? Right, right, right. Sorry, right. So, so let me tell you how you mend a broken heart. You find yourself another heart. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Looking nice. Now watch this. Now watch this. That's what Paul is saying. I found someone who rocks my world, who'll never leave, 
who will never forsake, who satisfies him, who's better. Listen to me. He's better than a, a, you know, he's better than a flawless boxing record. He's better than winning indie. He's better than platinum records. He's better than, you know, getting on the Tonight Show. He's all this other stuff, you know why it's, it's not hard. I'm not looking at this other stuff and saying, oh man, I, it's hard for me to give it up. I can't give this stuff up. It's too important to me. I love this stuff. He's going, how can I, how can I not pursue Christ? How can I not want Jesus? How can I not pursue the lover of my soul? Nothing even compares. Nothing even compares. Paul says something that is just breathtaking. He says this, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own. In other words, listen to me. In other words, it's not staying clean. It's not working steps. It's not coming to church. It's not, these things don't give you righteousness in Christ. Listen to me. Righteousness in Christ, joy everlasting, freedom and peace like you've only dreamed of is found in Christ Jesus. And the reason that some of you find yourself so miserable is because you're looking for treasure in a place where it's not. You're looking for security, for joy. You go, oh, if I just had him, if I just had it, if I just had that, if I just had them, if I just, if I could only acquire these things, then I would truly know joy and happiness and peace. And Jesus said, you are diving for pearls in a place where there are no pearls. Paul says this, I consider them garbage. I have friends who are really super smart. Really, really super smart. Like, one of my, one of my friends, I call him friend. He probably doesn't call me friend, but I call him friend, right? Because he's cool. Um, his, name, his name is Gordon Fee. I go to his son's house where he teaches a Bible study. You go, big deal. You go to a Bible study with a guy who teaches the Bible. The difference is, is that my guy translated the Bible. He's one of the guys who translated this word, garbage. I consider them garbage. He took it from the original Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, and he translated it into English. His name is Gordon Fee. If you look him up, he is a, he's like top five smartest guys in the New Testament in the world. People refer to him, like I read really, really high-end literature, and they refer to him as a source. Brilliant guy. He said that there's no word in the English language to translate garbage other than a curse word. There's no word in the English language if you used a curse word for, for dung or refuge or cocky, if you use that curse word, that's the only appropriate word to translate. That's how strong Paul is being. He said, I consider them, the things that I thought would bring me joy, the things that I thought would get me uh, in relationship with Christ, the things that I thought I had to have to be happy and whole and peaceful and with joy. You put them all together and I consider them garbage, refuse, bad word. That's what I consider them. This is a shocking way to look at Christ. Because for most of us, Christ is something that we add on to our garbage. The stuff that Paul says is garbage. We go, no, 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 no. Don't take away my cars. 
Don't take away my girl. Don't take away my stuff. Don't take away my clothes. Don't take away my house. Don't take away my... Don't take away the love that I feel when I'm with her. Don't take away the love that I feel when I'm with him. Don't take away... Don't take away my security. Don't take away my health. Don't take away... And what I'll do... Here's what I'll do, Jesus. If you don't take these away, what I'll do is I'll put you on top of the garbage pile. And Jesus, I'll love you insofar as you keep my garbage pile set. And Jesus comes with a sledgehammer to your Maserati or whatever you consider. And he comes with a sledgehammer and he says, no, 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 no. It's me. It's me. Now, wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? See, it's the reason why some of us decide to leave Christ. Because Jesus, if you, if you, listen, if it's a choice between the girl or Jesus, I choose the girl. Because Jesus is just another pile on the garbage heap. It's like if it's a choice between the car and the girl, uh, I like the girl, I can always get another car. Right? It's just a bartering system. It's just a system that you just kind of sift through and just go, okay, yeah, I'll give you this for that. All right, I'll trade it off. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's nothing. Nothing. Paul is saying nothing. Nothing even comes close. Everything else is like refuse. Everything else is like a pile that a homeless person would take a dump out on our steps. Everything else looks like that. Like that. Everything else is garbage. Why could you say that? That I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having, my, having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not leaning on my clean time. I'm not leaning on all the things that you think that you need to do in order to be considered whole. Clean time, step work, church attendance, Bible reading, uh, prayer, uh, you know, being responsible, going to work, loving your wife well, spending time with your children, all that other stuff. If you do that, that's wonderful. Please stay clean. Please make meetings. Please continue to do, right? Like, you know, don't hear me say, like, oh, Pastor Edwin said, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Don't do that. Don't do that. And, and for those of you who fall on the, like, that's for you recovery people, but for those of you who fall on the religious side, don't say, well, Pastor Edwin said, you know, going to church is no, you know, hanging out with the believers is no big deal, so who needs to come on Sunday? Well, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying. Those are good things. But if you find your joy, satisfaction, if you find your approval from God because you made it to a service, you've missed it. Utterly missed it. They're garbage in comparison to Jesus. The The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, not works. I want to know Christ. That's my prayer for you. You know what my prayer is for you? Is that that's what you would say throughout this entire week. As you wake up, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. You know, difficulty comes your way, you go, I want to know Christ. You know what? Circumstances come. You remember a hurt from the past, like a betrayal or something? You go, I want to know Christ. You, you are mistreated by your spouse, you go, I want to know Christ. You're overwhelmed by circumstances. You go, I want to know Christ. You experience a kind of hurt and pain that you've never known before. I I want to know Christ. That's Paul's motivation. Because Jesus is our motivation for transformation. Anything other than Jesus simply will not do. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Look at me. 
That's one and the same. If we're going to experience Christ, I I hope you understand that if you're going to experience Christ, it's going to hurt quite a bit. You know why? Not because God is mean or anything like that, but because you and I have gods in our lives that we want to hold on to. And Jesus is saying, oh, no, no, no. If you're in a relationship with me, it's monogamous. There are no other lovers in this piece. And so you and I say, we say, but Jesus, I want my lovers. I want my stuff. I want my stuff. I said, no, no, no. Don't you want to be married to me? And we go, yes, I want to be married to you, but I also want to be a swinging single, too. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. You are not going to, you are not going to have it both ways. You're not going to have it both ways. I've lost you, haven't I? Okay, stay with me. The choice is to be distracted with the things that are not of God. Or to be moved, inspired, blown away by the beauty of Christ. Christ will not share you. I want you to know, Christ will not share you. He's a jealous lover. He will love you well. And He will love you best. He will not share you. And you go, but, 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 I want this other stuff. Uh, uh, Then keep your other stuff. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation of His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Folks, we're almost done. Look at me. In the end, there are things. Here's the big idea for today. Jesus is our motivation for transformation. Other things to motivate you to get the job, to get healthy, to either, they only last for so long. They either fall in the pain category, the pleasure category, or the others category, right? Here's what we're saying. There's nothing that you can do to gain the pleasure and the joy of God. So let me ask you a question. If He never changed, could you still have joy in Christ? If He never changed. You know what I'm talking about, the guy that you're with. If He never changed, would you have joy in Christ? If you were single for the rest of your life, could you have joy in Christ? Now listen, listen, this is important. If the finances never turned around, would you have joy in Christ? If the health never got better, could you have joy in Christ? especially you single people, you non-married people, if he changed your lifestyle and said, no, 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 no more sleeping around, no more, could he be joy enough for you? If all those things that you think you have to have in order to be happy, if they never got any better, and in fact got much worse. Is Jesus enough? Amen. Now, we want that answer to be yes. But, but the truth is right now it's not so. The truth is, for many of us, we're looking for something. Jesus plus something else. And it simply won't do. It simply won't do. What's your motivation to change? Jesus is our motivation for transformation. 
So, what happens? How do we see Jesus as more beautiful and greater than this other stuff that we think is precious but is really garbage and refuse and dung? Right? How do we do it? Here's how we do it. We find our satisfaction, our joy in Jesus every minute of every day. It's not just looking to Jesus for when we're in trouble or looking to Jesus when we need to get saved or looking for Jesus when our marriage is going wrong or looking for Jesus when we need health, the doctor to give us a good health report, but finding Jesus. Let me tell you how easy it is for me to go back to the dung. So I'm in uh, Chicago, not Chicago, I'm in Dallas with the rest of uh, some of the other leaders and, um, and I'm going to the gym to work out. Uh, you know, they have a hotel with a gym, right? So what happens? There's a woman who's running on the treadmill, right? And she's got a really fast pace. So what do I have to do? <laughs> Anybody know? Take a guess. I gotta go faster. Cause I'm a stud, right? And so I go, and I'm putting this thing at a heart attack rate, cause this woman can really run. I'm like, oh my god, and I'm dying. I'm done. I'm, I'm, my life is going past me right before my eyes. I'm losing my life. It's like poltergeist. Like the spirit is being pulled from me, right? It's crazy. And so I'm running on this treadmill and, and the thought hit me. The Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, just who are you running for? And I said, I said, I, I think I'm running for her. He goes, do you know her name? No, I couldn't pick her out in this crowd right now. She was sitting right here. I couldn't pick her out in this crowd. But I'm running for her. You know why? Because I was looking for her approval. How silly is that? I'm looking for her to be impressed with me. A person I've never met, I've never had a conversation with, and will never meet again. It's that easy. I'm looking for her approval. In the middle of the run, after she left and my heart attack started to subside, because I was able to slow it down, I was able to think and pray on the run. And I was going, Jesus, you've already approved me. You've approved me on the cross. You died for my sin. You made a way so that I could be approved that there's no marathon that I have to run. There's no race that I have to commit to. There's no studly place that I have to be in order to be acceptable in thy sight. But it's that easy, isn't it? My wife's at home. Let me tell you another way it happens for me. My wife's at home. I go, you know what? I'd like to have a really good evening with my wife. I know how I can ensure that. I will, and and husbands take note, I will make the bed and shower the baby, right? Because if you do acts, and clean the dishes, if I'm really, like I really want to lock it in, right? I go, oh man. It's acts of service, right? Just clean up the house, right? So I'm going to clean up the house. Now, here's what I'm doing, right? So I'm like cleaning the dishes. I'm like, eh, eh. You know, it's just everywhere, right? And it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning the dishes. I'm doing the stuff. I'm doing the thing. Because I'm hoping for the hero's reward later on that night, right? Now, watch this. Listen, 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 listen. Then she does, it doesn't happen. What happens to me? Well, I'm furious. You know why? Because I was finding my joy in the embrace of another. Listen, listen. What if? Jesus, you've already embraced. I'm not looking to get an embrace from her. I've already received that embrace from you. In fact, you are my satisfaction and pleasure. And I can do this because you're leading me to do this and loving her well. And just like these plates can't wash themselves, you've washed my soul clean and spotless. And just like these, this baby can't get himself um, 
Out of this water, you have baptized me in the water of your salvation. And just as I get new clothes, put new clothes on this baby, you have clothed me with righteousness. And then, and then I go to bed and it doesn't happen. Well, I've already received my reward, haven't I? Because Christ is better than manipulating my wife. Now watch. At work. At work. Here's how else it works. I'm at work. And I'm, and I'm performing because I want to raise. Uh-huh. And I want, you know, I want, I want to move up the corporate ladder and all that other stuff. So I'm coming early and I'm staying late and I'm doing that. And I get it or I don't get it. Right? Doesn't matter. Right? And I feel happy when I get it and I feel sad when I get it. But what if, but what if, Jesus, Jesus, you've already done all the work that I need to be saved sanctified, full of peace and full of joy. And as a result, you have promised that you would give me everything that I need in order to be sustained and in order to live. So I'm going to work unto glory, unto your glory. And so if I'm filing papers, if I'm packing a truck, if if I'm giving out a burger and taking money and, you know, if I'm a cashier or whatever... Listen to me. I can do it for the glory of God, for the one who worked for me, for the one who worked to set me free. Last place. I see this true story, right? No, I can't tell him. Um, so, uh, all right. So, okay. So, right. So, me and Pedro, we're, we're across the, the aisle on the plane, right? And, and this is good for my ego, right? So, it, so we, was, we were across the aisle. We were, yeah, it's great. So, we're, we're talking and we're blocking the aisle because he's on this side of the aisle. I'm on that side of the aisle of the plane and we're talking and talking. And so, this woman, uh, the stewardess, did I say stewardess? Yeah. Stewardess, yeah. And so, she puts her arm, she puts her hand on our arms and she stops. And she turns around and she goes, whoa. And she goes like that to me. I said, yeah, that's right. I was like, I'm too sexy for this plane. Too sexy for this plane. I was like, killing it. This is awesome. And then the Lord rebuked me. And said, Edwin, are you looking to her to be made sure that you're man enough? Mm, I think so. I think so. Edwin, do you know that um, I became a man for you and decided to die for your sins, for your approval addiction? And now I live. And do you know that because I became a man for you, I can become a man in you and grow you to being the kind of man that would be honorable to your wife and faithful to the end? Because I was honorable to my father and faithful to the end. See, that's what it means to find Christ glorious. He's, he's better than Miss America. He's better than the riches of this world. He's better than the approval of others. He's better than the security you find in other things. He's, listen to me, say it with me. He's better. He's better. Because Jesus is our motivation for transformation. Betsy's going to come up and she's going to share her testimony with us about how her love for Jesus has transformed where she works and how she lives her life. I want you to hear this testimony and then I'm going to come back to you and we're going to sing and we're going to pray. Listen, after Betsy, what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. You know why? 
Because we need this word to get deeper in our heart. God, would you just take away the idols? Would you take away the things, the approval addiction, the pleasure addiction, the satisfaction addiction, the identity addiction? I think I find my identity in these other things. No, no, no. Take them from me and help me to find my approval, my satisfaction, my identity in Christ. Good morning. For many years, I thought I was living my dream. Ever since I was a kid whose favorite thing in the whole world to do was read books, I'd wanted to be involved in working with words. In college, I studied journalism, and I even worked as a reporter on a city newspaper for a couple of years. And then I came to New York and became a book editor. My job was to help people tell their stories. Whatever book they wanted to write, I worked alongside of them to make it the best book that it could be. And they were grateful. A lot of people thanked me for being their editor. I was able to travel for my job. Um, I went all over the U.S. and even to England and Japan. And it seemed like I was in my sweet spot, being paid well for doing what I love to do. But as I was going on my merry way, God had more in store for me. He directed my path into this building almost 20 years ago and gave me a church family. I accepted Christ after taking a Bible class with a warm, wonderful teacher who got me to think about what it means to be a child of God. I spent a lot of time reading the only book that has eternal significance. And slowly, unexpectedly, the things that were important to me started to change. For a long time, it seemed like I could lead two lives, one that gave me money and perks, and the other one that was changing my heart. It was nice to see a book on a shelf at the end of an editing job, but I knew those books were going to be forgotten in just a few years. Getting to know God became much more important to me. I wanted to grow and learn and help other people learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and there was not enough time to do both. So I began praying to God to help me take the next step. If he wanted to use me, I was ready. I had no idea how I could afford to leave the job, but as Ephesians 3.20 says, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And that was what happened. In the depths of the economic crisis of 2009, my company offered an early retirement option that would allow me to leave that job that just simply wasn't important anymore. And not only that, but anybody who agreed to leave the job, they would keep them on the company health plan until they turned 65. And that was something I never even thought to pray for, and it's just proof of that promise in Ephesians. So now I thank him every day for the abundant life that, I, that is all around me. I feel a tremendous sense of freedom from the demands and the expectations that the world put on my life. My heart is full. And I look forward with thankfulness to see what God has in store for me next. Hey, listen. Would you just take this time right now? If you're with someone you came with, find three or four people. Here's what you're going to pray. God, would you change our motives? Would you stir our affections for Jesus would you stop us from trying to change so we could get better and be transformed so we could see you as more beautiful and holy and good so I want you to 
We're going to do that for just a few minutes. Anybody, anybody ever heard of the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms is a book in the Bible. And in the middle of some of their Psalms, they have this word. It's called Selah. S-E-L-A-H. Selah. And what it means is pause. Think about that. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to pause and we're going to think about God's great word that's going to help us to live it out. So, I want you to take, you know, find two people, just you and someone else, or find a group of you. But we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray over you, as although I'll do it silent, so that you could pray. Right? Will you do that? No singing, just the instrument.